You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to podcast for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode 16, four strategies to maximize your team's potential. In our last episode, Colin and Alan tackled three issues often faced when building a ministry team. So in this episode, they're going to talk about how to develop, disciple, and sustain your team so that you can maximize their potential. Welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today by my friend Colin McIver down in Louisiana. Today, how's the uh, swamp treating you? The swamp is swampy, Alan, just like it always is. We're getting into uh, getting into the summer months down here, and um, yeah, I mean it, it's, but it's all right. We got snowballs down here. I don't know if you know about that. Everywhere else, they call it like shaved ice or something, but it's not really the same thing. You have to. It's, it's kind of like the Matrix. Nobody can be told what a snowball is. You have to taste it for yourself. So there's a, a, a uh, not a restaurant, there's a, what do you call that thing? There's a, uh, well, it's called Pelican Snowballs down here. It's like a shaved ice place where you buy shaved ice. But So what, what am I getting if I'm not getting snowballs? Because that's what the title says. Um, I don't know. I would have to check out the equipment in there to know if that's a valid claim that they're snowballs. They're, a snowball has to come from a particular machine called a snow wizard. And um, there's like certain quality procedures, I guess, that it would have to go through to to really qualify. I don't know. I don't know. Your snowball place may be deceiving you. And this is um, legit. You're not making this up. That is for real, isn't it? Oh, it is for real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, there are probably people listening in other regions of the country who would have, like, another claim, like, no, listen, like, we've got the real, like, we know how to do the thing with the ice that makes it the best, but <laughs> um, you got to come down here and try it out, so. I did have one in uh, Louisiana once, and um, it was all right. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I'm just kidding. That was just for your benefit. Yeah, it was very good. It was like a treat. We had to, like, walk. We were down there for a mission trip. We had to, like, go down the street and like walk far from where the high school we were sleeping at and eating at to go get this snowball. And it was worth the trek down the street. It was good. I liked yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's worth five months of in extreme heat and humidity <laughs> to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> are the mosquitoes like year round or are they just like just the summertime? Like we get them occasionally in the summer, but in Florida they were like all they're, year. They're the size of koala bears yeah, pretty much. If you can picture that. I don't know why I picked that particular animal, but they're they're really large mosquitoes. Yeah. No, they're 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 pretty uh they're pretty ferocious down here, but um but they you know they come around with a truck and spray them. You just got to make sure the kids don't ride their bikes behind the truck uh, while they're spraying. We used to have those in Florida. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. They think I'm making it up. We had those in Florida. Yeah, yeah, we, the we for real just, have mosquito yeah. trucks. Yep. All right, cool. <laughs> well, so that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Snowballs and mosquitoes. <laughs> And if your parish ministry isn't perfect after talking about those two things, we don't know what'll help you. <laughs> so uh, last podcast, we talked about volunteers and how to recruit them. How do you um, get them on your team? This week, we want to talk about once you have those volunteers, how do you maintain them? And what do you do with them once, you, once you've got them volunteering for your team? Um, so, so basically, four strategies to maintain your volunteers. 
So, yes, this four strategy thing, I'll have to say that, you know, Marisa threw it out there in the beginning and now we are, uh, we really have to be concise because I, I have at least 16 strategies. <laughs> so, but we're, we're going to, we're going to give you four because, uh, we like to deliver on our promises. You can just toss out the one that was flank them. That strategy <laughs> yeah, doesn't work, I, I don't think. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. One, one was good old fashioned Catholic Gill. I'll, I'll cross that one off. <laughs> All right. So first off, I would say is um, the number one issue, at least for for a lot of churches, is keeping your volunteers from getting burnt out. They come on board, they're excited, and we love that enthusiasm, but they want to do everything all the time, and before long, they're just totally burnt out. So what what's your strategy for keeping volunteers from getting burnt out? Okay, I'm going to speak with great conviction on this one because it's one that I have not always been the best at and maybe even one that I'm working on now. But I think this is the big differentiator between the one who is volunteering in ministry and the one who is uh, being paid in a role that really you as the the staff minister need to be feeding and pastorally caring for your volunteers. Um, and I would say that I probably have, I would give myself a C on that. Um, but as I was kind of thinking about this particular episode, that that's one that you really need to get an A in is taking care of the volunteers. They're really, their formation, their spiritual well-being is, is your primary concern because your ministry is going to thrive if they thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think that would be like, I'm going to put that as tip number one. Um, to ensure that one of your, if not your primary concern in terms of how your ministry runs is ensuring that those who are, who are co-laborers in the vineyard are, are being fed themselves and are being cared for and ministered to, um, and, and loved on and prayed for. So, so yeah, that's, that's number one. Um, I would lift that as a strategy. I have a couple of sub strategies on, on how that might work, but, um, but I don't know, Alan, what would you say on this? Well, I think just being aware of it, like you said, is um, is the number one thing, just to kind of warn people that this might happen, like as they kind of come on board, they start getting excited and stuff, and just to kind of, you know, explain to them that this can happen, it's happened to others in the past, and, and you know, I think some of the responsibility needs to be on them to kind of guard against that, but that doesn't mean that we can't lovingly correct it, or, um, you know, if somebody needs to take a break for a little while, and take a break for a little while, we had... We ask for commitments, obviously, to be at life nights on a regular basis, not because we wanted the the life night police or anything, but we wanted to um, just know that it was a priority in somebody's life, that they're going to come to be at our events um, because people want and need that consistency in their life. But if somebody needs to kind of get away for the weekend and take a break from a, um, if they've been doing too much and they just are getting burnt out, they're not going to be effective in the ministry. And so if we have to ask them to take time to maybe not go on this retreat or not come on the, to this night and um, or not be on this planning team or, or something, just ask them that, you know, if, if this is the best thing for them. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's part of that, that role of being, you know, being pastoral to those who are on your team. Um, I, I think a motto that I, that I've heard and that I've sort of adopted um, is uh, you're always invited, but you're never fully obligated, you know, that, um, that's, that may be a little, a little risky depending on what you're, what you're talking about and what role they've, they've taken on, but, um, where, where possible, I think to remove that sense of obligation so that your, your collaborators are, are there because they, they fully choose to be there. Of course, you know, if they're, 
teaching a class and it meets weekly there, <laughs> you can say always invite and never obligate. And then they don't show up and say, wait, where were you? You weren't obligated, but your invitation was a very important invitation that you declined. Highly suggested. Because <laughs> otherwise uh, they're going to be a bunch of teenagers just sitting there and wondering what's going to happen next. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think having a little bit of a backup, another thing that I, I will, will say again, and I would give myself the, the lowest grade on this particular one. Um, a strategy that's been interesting to me, and I, I can let you know how it works out, is is doing a little more rotation in terms of um, of who's doing what. So to have a little bit of seasonal leadership, a little bit of uh, a little bit of rotation. Of course, that involves having a more highly engaged base in your parish. But once you do, you can rotate people in and out of certain roles, so that uh, you know you may have a a core of volunteers that, that really goes for like a six month term and then they can reevaluate and take a little bit of a break. So that's not a bad idea either. That was a very intriguing idea to me. Mm. You let me know how that goes. That's interesting. I haven't heard of that uh, approach before. Um, but speaking of seasons, we used to have, we did have kind of built into the semester or into the year, say we would have times where there was more ministry happening than other times. So certain parts of the year we had weekly meetings and then, like for the for the summer, for example, we we didn't meet on a weekly basis, but we took trips and retreats and mission trips and that sort of thing. And so, you know, somebody may commit to a retreat, but they don't do anything else for the summer except for um, relational ministry with with the team. And so, um, there wasn't that weekly commitment of being somewhere and being engaged in planning an event every week. Um, just wasn't happening over the summer, or or like during Christmas and during Holy Week and things like that. We'd have little little breaks built into the schedule throughout the year, so the team could take a little break. Uh, you know, I would obviously take them on retreat every year. That was that was essential. I thought was to just planning out a retreat that we could get them away um, and take them on a retreat for them over the over the course of the semester. But what would you say as far as uh, some people have an apprehension to volunteering because they don't know theology, and so once you convince them they don't need to know theology and they come on the um, team how do you handle how do you handle that and what's your strategy for getting people educated and catechized and fed that's a really good question i i think okay a couple of things there um i think a, a great strategy for volunteers who are apprehensive about knowing theology and that sort of thing is certainly to have a plan to have an outline um maybe to use one of these great studies from this uh this ascension I've heard of this group Ascension. They put out some something called Chosid or something like that. <laughs> something and then like there's that. there's me, something about the <laughs> theology of the body. No, it's you, you and Chosen, right? What about no, me? But I think having a study that does the heavy lifting for the theology helps your volunteers to be to be confident, especially. Um, and I'm I'm a bit biased here toward uh, our our studies that we've we've put out and worked so hard on, um, but. I, I have found a lot of volunteers and small group leaders who are just delighted to to watch a, a really good, thorough video on a topic that they've wondered about. And then once they've watched it and with their adult brain been able to process, they're fully equipped to lead a small group discussion about it. Um, so I think it's important to make sure that we are providing those opportunities for ongoing formation. Um, it could be that we have uh, have somebody who who really wants to help step up to the plate for for adult faith formation um, because they themselves maybe completed RCIA or they went through some some great studies um, 
and and then you may get into a situation where you can you can offer some kind of kind of incentive um maybe you could consider merit badges or or belts in your parish you could become like like a black belt in bible or something <laughs> like that um i'm actually i'm i'm sort of half kidding in that that it does it does help to give people um a sense of accomplishment and and sort of benchmark certificates um while they can become um you know, a confusion of ends and means and just sort of like a hoop to jump through a certificate or some sort of ceremony to, uh, to sacramentalize an accomplishment is, isn't a bad idea always. Um, it may help your, your volunteers to know that they're, that they're progressing themselves, um, in, in whatever capacity, you know, and that, that could also go for adult faith formation and certainly for, um, for those who are volunteering to, to help, uh, facilitate, say a confirmation study or something along those lines. So, um, another thing you could have them do is I know this pretty cool podcast. Um, there's this guy with a golden tongue named Alan Austin says a lot of, a lot of wise things. Um, but you might point them toward, um, this round table thing that, uh, some guys over at Ascension do. Um, so that's a thought. I think that Alan guy just asked the questions. The smart guys are on the receiving end. They get to field all the questions and answer them with their wisdom and intellect. That'd be true. Right. <laughs> I, I may, maybe so. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think, uh, what was it that Socrates was the wisest of all because he was the one who asked the question, said the Oracle of Delphi. Oh, nice. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how about this? What about a strategy for volunteers who don't seem to want to stay on topic? If they, they, they may have like a, it seems like anyway, they have a hidden agenda. Is that a new shirt that you're wearing? It's about four years old, actually. It's, a, it's had it for a while. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. it's on topic. That's what. So you were saying people who won't <laughs> stay on topic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, here is where I would also um, maybe even remake point number two, that having a really good plan and a really good study can be very helpful. If you have someone who's volunteering, especially as a, as a small group leader, um, you want to ensure that there is a set curriculum for them to follow. And that's where having, uh, having a study that perhaps in, involves videos and a workbook and that sort of thing can be very helpful, um, so that there's a, a set model and path for them to follow. The other thing too, is for you to stay involved in the conversation, um, and to grow in the art of bringing people along, um, helping people to, to follow a, a set and a script, um, by not being, um, overbearing, but by being constantly encouraging and reminding. So I know, um, I know that can happen in all kinds of settings where someone comes in and they want to volunteer for a ministry, but they themselves have, uh, just really something that they're like hung up on that they want to talk about. Um, it may also involve just a direct conversation about that just to say like, look, you're, you're very valuable to us. It seems like you're, you're really, um, you're really stuck on this one thing and we want to make sure we move on from that. Being, being uh, bold enough to be explicit might be helpful, especially if you can say it in a loving way. What think you, Alan? I think that's true. Um, yeah, a lot of those things need to be dealt with kind of one-on-one with that person. Um, Mm -hmm. not like many things that have to be done in a gentle manner, pulling them off to the side and doing it one-on-one as opposed to in front of a group is always a a good way to, um, to try and handle it in, in a lot of prayer. Um, same time but like you said affirming what they do well and then asking them to 
we could kind of move on from Pat, get past that, that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. Cause I have seen it done where someone is a bold leader and correct somebody and then just does it in front of the whole team. And that is just not good. So uh, that's a very good qualifier. Good point. All right. What about, um, how do I phrase this? There are some people who take to authority and they, they might enjoy that sense of authority a little bit too much. How do you, how do you curb the, um, uh, those people like the 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 badge and volunteer type, the ones who want to go around in the middle of the night and and uh, patrol the grounds, make sure if you're on a retreat, say, or uh, in the parking lot or um, around the church. Yeah, so there are definitely people in the parish who need to be needed. Um, this comes up a lot. I would think immediately all of our listeners are, are kind of nodding. Yes, we we know exactly the kind of volunteer that you're talking about. Um, Let's first start on the side of charity to say that um, their need to be needed may be a place where, where God can work. And we certainly need the, um, the energy and enthusiasm that that crowd brings. Sometimes they are the most organized. They're the ones who are willing to stay up until four in the morning to do security on a retreat, or they're the ones who are um, happy to... I don't know, like cook and show up with like batches and batches full of stuff that you need. So number one, start in the direction of charity and say, okay, these, these are uh, people in my parish who, who want to help. And maybe they have a need to be needed. And that's where you come in to try to figure out how to bring them along, how to help form, how to, how to feed that need in a, in a helpful and healthy way. Um, so, so that's really where I, where I would start. One, the 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 tip because we're we're on our four tips so I think this is tip number four officially, mm-hmm. officially. is start with charity. Mm. Um, my my wife who is is very wise. Amy has a lot of uh, she's especially she's a very good Facebook poster. She's very very pithy. Um, she's not into Twitter, but she'd be good on Twitter too. But she pointed out um, something from Frozen, which is um, I would I would say every every young person should watch Moana six times for every time they watch frozen. Um, because, Oh yeah, definitely. That's a whole other podcast on Moana and the, and the feminine genius and, uh, the, the recovery of the, the type of the, the woman saintly hero. She's, she's pretty awesome. I have a thing with, uh, I think that's a great movie, but secondly, um, what I was saying was, um, that frozen, um, although I, I would not, um, throw up Elsa as like the the hero that you want your daughter to be necessarily. Um, no offense to Elsa. I mean, there's a lot of good things about Elsa. <laughs> Maybe we can edit this out because there are going to be a lot of like, I, I might get so many comments now. Yeah. People will be like, what? He says something about Elsa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, Amy quoted something from Frozen. I think it might be Olaf who said it, that um, essentially when people are, are at their worst, throw a little love their way and you'll bring out the best. And so... I, I wish I had that direct quote. Um, maybe I, I need to do my homework better, but throw a little love their way would be the the pithy quote I would bring out from this. The volunteer with uh, who needs the badge and the flashlight. Um, be a source of charity. And then from there, you can earn the position to speak, um, to say, hey, you, you can calm down a little bit. You know, if there is somebody who needs to go into that room, there may be a reason that they need to go into that room and you don't need to shine your flashlight at them. So. Yeah, and and sometimes we just need to buy them a badge and flashlight because sometimes there's a need 
for somebody to be that person, you know, like to, yeah. go and, to go and sweep the grounds or go check the cabins or to go walk through the parking lot of the church or go do whatever. Sometimes there's a need for that. And so we should, you know, definitely allow those people to go and, and uh, walk with their flashlight and badge in those times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, maybe even a taser. No, don't, don't, don't get any tasers <laughs> for them. But, but yeah, badges, flashlights, that, that might be helpful. Um, and I guess th- there's another version of this too um, where you, you have someone who's really just trying to be in charge of a lot of things in the parish. And you can identify that there's definitely a, a formational difficulty. This is somebody who is kind of, kind of power grabbing even in, in volunteer circles. And that might be a, a larger conversation to, to have in, in charity with them um, to remember that uh, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Might be a good opportunity yeah. to just bust out a bowl and a towel and some water and just wash their feet right yeah, there. Word up. So, there, boom. <laughs> Marisa's giving me a look like I have four heads for saying word up. <laughs> Which was deserved. I'm not going to say otherwise. You, I thought you pulled it off. I thought it was a very natural, <laughs> organic word, word, I'm gonna, word. I'm going to bring it back with the uh, vernacular. Yeah, yeah. What, well, what about volunteers who won't stay on topic again? I, I, <laughs> did, we co- did we cover that? I don't, I don't know if we, we covered cover? that. What, what to- okay. <laughs> so before we wrap up, if there's anybody listening to this podcast who is a volunteer, and, and let's just turn the tables a little bit. If there is somebody who is a volunteer and they're like, hey – we know what we're doing, but the people in charge of our parish, they are lost. Like, how do oh. I deal with a really misguided whatever? How do I deal with somebody who is an overbearing and authoritative whatever in whatever position? Like, like those kinds of things. Like, I think that um, I don't want to just throw this out there and make it sound like everyone who works in the parish has got it all together. And all the volunteers need a little help. Because a lot of times it's the volunteers that have got things together and the, and the people working in the, the staff in the church have, um, you know, are just misguided or maybe on the wrong in the wrong playbook sometimes. So I mean Alan, we could comment on this, but we already gave four concrete tips and that was all that was promised. So this <laughs> this would be a bonus for sure. Um but but I, I, that's a that's a really good point. I think uh that might be the Holy Spirit uh speaking right now because I, I'm sure there are people listening who would say, yeah, that's exactly our situation where there are many of us in the parish who have who have a vision, who have a strong relationship with the Lord. We understand what ministry is, um, but there are others who are in authority, who technically have the the role of authority, who really just don't seem to um, to understand what this is all about. Um, so, tip tip number one um, is to give them a chance and and work with them and try to bring them along. That remember that um, that what you understand about ministry is that it's really all about conversion of hearts and minds and souls. And so if there's somebody difficult in a role of authority, remember that even if they're the one who is in the 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 sort of driver's seat, they they could be they could be the lost sheep and uh, and you might be in an inverse way kind of in a, in that shepherdly role. No, don't don't let that go to your head as like, well, I'm actually in charge, but I mean in in a, in a pastoral sense that that you can you can reach out and minister to them, throw throw a bit of love their way. Um, definitely, this is this is a thing that happens. That whether it be um, even a pastor of a parish, a parochial vicar, a, a principal, a DRE, a, a small group leader, the person doing faith formation, when when people encounter authentic discipleship in their parish, it transforms them. So. There are a lot of um, even priests, and maybe especially priests, who are out there who who can give testimony to how their parishioners, in being faithful 
and in being loving, um, brought them further along in their own walk of faith. So, so yes, I, that this is also the situation where I throw a little love their way and you'll bring out the best. Um, and the second, which is going to sound, uh, you know, pretty obvious, but is very important is just take it to prayer. Absolutely. Take that to prayer. Take it to a novena. Um, Alan and I, a, a couple of weeks ago, we started Our Lady Undoer of Knots. And for Alan's penance, he had to put up with um, with me sending a <laughs> cheesy knot meme every day, <laughs> which made the novena even more efficacious, I'm sure. Beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, but I, I've I've recently become more aware of the, the power of just something simple like a novena to affect a concrete situation, a concrete life, a concrete heart. So, so yeah, you're... You're in your parish and you have some great idea and perhaps um, the RCIA director, the, the the pastor, the the DRE, the youth minister, they're just not into it. Well, pause and pray. And maybe after that novena, it becomes clear that maybe your idea was not such a great idea and, and that changed your heart. Or maybe um, something really surprising happens and it opens up a path for what you think to happen should happen could happen, should happen, could happen, could happen, should happen. It's happening. You said it, brother. Or as the hip kids are saying these days, word. <laughs> hip kids in 1993. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Word. <laughs> hey, I do want to say on a, on a little bit of a tangent, but I know people out there working in ministry, if um, the power of prayer, and like you, and like you said, we, we did a, a prayed the Mary Endure of Knots together, and it was something very obviously beneficial with the prayer, but pr- even though we weren't together praying that every day, knowing that we were praying it, and it was like this sense of accountability was was great, and so mm-hmm. I just want to encourage people out there listening, even if you don't have somebody to pray with, physically pray with, ask somebody to pray with you from, you know, across the across the country, and um, and just know yeah. that you, that accountability was was huge, and and also trying to one up you with the meme every day and get to you meme you first before I got memed was always is important too. But and along it the helps. way, we actually prayed the prayed the uh, novena, so it was good. Yeah, I would say so too. So with that, those are our four strategies, five, five strategies, four strategies, and a tip. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For uh, working with maintaining volunteers and for volunteers working with uh, difficult people in positions of staff. So, well, let's recap. The first thing that Alan asked me about was burnt out volunteers. And uh, we said essentially that we need to feed the volunteers, that our role is to make sure the volunteers are, um, are taken well care of or well taken care of. Or taken well care of, either way that you want to do that. Secondly, we talked about what if our volunteers just don't know the theology? Um, we pointed out that having a, a really good study that you're using will help to take the burden off of them for that so that they can focus on relationship. Thirdly, we asked about volunteers who just won't stay on topic. Squirrel. And uh, we we pointed out that it would be good to throw a bit of love their way, and we said that it would also be helpful to uh, to have a one-on-one conversation with them, but not in front of the group. And finally, or, or if we don't want to count the last one, because that was just more of a tip, um, we said that there are volunteers who need a badge and a flashlight, 
and we pointed out that the principle of charity should really govern the way that we deal with uh, with those who might seem like they they need to be needed. And then finally, Alan had the really good point that you may be volunteering and it might seem like the ones who are actually in the positions of authority don't know what they're doing. So we pointed out that being um, an effective community of disciples may witness to them and change their hearts. And we said it would be a good idea to pray for them. And that's pretty much, I I think that's what kind of what we talked about as a recap. I'm not a good recapper. I don't know. I thought that was a heck of a job. Much better than I would have done. A lot of capping. Yeah. Um, all right, so there you have it, guys. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good work, and we are praying for you guys as well. Please pray for us. Word. <laughs> if you want to leave us a comment, you can at ascensionpresents.com slash podcast, or you can send us an email at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. Drop the mic, baby. I finally got it. <laughs> See you guys next time. 